Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Hello, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you're having a great day so far. Morning, if it's morning where you're listening, or some people listen to this at night and uh, download the podcast later. Either way, uh, we uh, hope you're doing well. Hope you're standing strong and ready to take it to the next level, because as we're going to talk about today, the stakes have been raised. And in almost every area where con- Christians are concerned in our culture, uh, the the warfare has been ramped up. The enemy knows his days are numbered. And so he's going to pull out all the stops. And he's the father of lies. And he's going to try to deceive. And unfortunately, the enemy has successfully deceived way too many people, some even in the church. And we've got to get back to the biblical foundation that uh, we can stand upon, the inerrancy of Scripture and God's Word that is eternal. So let's open in prayer, and we've got Rusty Thomas back with us today. So many issues to talk about, but Father in heaven, thank you for giving us another day. We praise you for your goodness, your faithfulness. We thank you, God, that your mercies are new every morning, and your mercy endures forever. We thank you for giving us this time and this day, and that's all we can do, Lord, is live one day at a time and we are here for such a time as this, and you, you make no mistakes, and you have us here in this, in this particular time in history where we can have an impact, and every believer in Christ has a purpose. And so we thank you for that. We praise you. We ask that you would teach us to number our days, that we may gain hearts of wisdom. And guide us today by your Spirit. Help us be effective and um, successful at pointing people to you and the only hope for all the world's ills and sin and, and problems. Lord, thank you, Jesus, that we have the answers. We love you, Lord. Uh, guide this conversation today. Encourage people's hearts and stir them up as well in the faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Rusty Thomas is back, author of this book that we'll talk a little bit about. We have had him on uh, several times. To, we talked about this in the past, but there's so much good information in the book called Biblical Strategies to Abolish Abortion. And uh, he's an author, an, uh, 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 actually, uh, with Operation Save America. He's a public speaker. And in 1985, he also founded Elijah Ministries, a teaching, preaching, and writing ministry dedicated to imparting a biblical worldview to the church. And so, R- Rusty Thomas, welcome back to the podcast, brother. So good to be back with you, brother David. <laughs> well, thank you for your time. Thank you for the work that you've been doing. And before we get into some of the topics today, and I want to get your perspective on so many issues, and we haven't had you on since Roe v. Wade was overturned by the U.S. Supreme Court. What have you guys been doing? I know you go to uh, the abortion mills quite frequently, and and uh, you're battling right there on the enemy territory. So tell us a little bit about your ministry. Well, brother, uh, specifically when it came to the overturning of Roe, um, you know, I, I had a lot of media contacts, uh, pastors, and fellow abolitionists kind of call me to get my take on it. And the word that kept coming up, David, was surreal. Hmm. Um, you know, just pinching myself. Because uh, honestly, brother, I never thought I'd live to see the day where, where that would take place. Hmm. And so to see uh, that phenomenal you know, decision uh, come to pass, it was, it, it, you know, it, it was awesome, brother. Now, in saying that, um, it's important that our brothers and sisters know that even though the Supreme Court um, in the Dobbs decision uh, revealed something that we always knew, um, that Roe versus Wade was never, ever a constitutional right. It was never the law of the land. It was always the lie of the land. Yes. And in that, they did well. They did good. The problem is, David, they didn't go far enough mm. in the sense that uh, their duty 
was to protect these kids under the 14th and 5th Amendment and, and uh, you know, uphold the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence when it comes to all 50 states. And in that, they failed. And what they did, they just kicked it back to the states. So obviously there was this you know, spiritual, moral, and legal earthquake, you know, that hit the land, and every state is freaking out. You know, they don't know what to do. And so you have states that are doubling down on bloody tyranny, and then you have states that are seeking to try to protect these kids' lives. And so what's interesting is when you study the sort of the the condition, the state of our nation, brother, it started with the pandemic in the sense that there was pockets and states of tyranny, there were pockets and states of freedom, and now with the overturning of Roe, it's reinforcing that fracture uh, in the United States of America. And so now we're going to literally see, just like, you know, pre-Civil War, where there was free states and slave states, well, now we're going to see, you know, uh, abortion states and life states. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it, it's an incredible time, brother. And so it, it, both groups, the pro-aborts and the church, everybody's scrambling. Everybody's monitoring the situation. We're seeing how this thing shakes out state by state. And that is going to determine brother, what our efforts will be in the future. Hmm. Well, we're going to talk about one state in, a, in just a little bit, Kansas. They put something up for vote, and uh, for many different reasons, the a pro-life amendment was defeated, unfortunately, by the uh, pro-abortion forces and a lot of deception and lies, like they always change the language and tell people it's something that it's not. But before we do that, Rusty Thomas, you've got a conference coming up next month called Love and Justice that you are going to be speaking at. It's presented by Abolish Abortion PA, uh, Pennsylvania. And so tell us a little bit about that. Well, brother, uh, there's a dear brother by the name of Sal Piccolo. And a couple of years ago, uh, you know, the Lord just got a hold of him and he knew that uh, the duty of a Christian and the duty of the church is not to regulate baby murder. It's to end it in the mighty name of Jesus. And so he called me up and said, brother, would you, you know, come? Would you, you know, sort of plant the vision, mission, and message of abolition, which for for the folks listening, when I say abolition, I'm, I'm talking about something that is the most biblically consistent response uh, to this Holocaust. In other words, fighting this battle God's way, you know, uh, and, and our message was ignore Roe, defy Roe, establish justice, and abolish all abortion now. Now, with the overturning of Roe, and this is significant, brother, <laughs> that's another significance, is that with the overturning of Roe, the pro-life movement and the Church can no longer hide behind the skirt of the court. Mm. That means that excuse is taken away, and that is good. Yes, thank, thank God. Thank to God. Yeah. But the point being, brother, uh, you know, he wanted to bring that vision and mission to Pennsylvania, and thanks be to the Lord, some churches opened up, some pastors gave their blessing, and so we went in and, and we sowed that seed, and God's been watering it, brother, uh, for the last couple of years, and that movement is growing in Pennsylvania. And so Sal and some of the other brethren decided, hey, we need like a follow-up conference, you know, to keep fanning the flame. And once again, the church uh, has opened their doors. They're showing incredible hospitality. They're bringing in not just myself, but many other brothers who are fighting this battle. And so the hope, brother, is, you know, to go in and keep watering, you know, that vision and mission and always trusting God for that harvest to come in, brother. Mm. Um, I still want to wait to, to talk about with the Kansas uh, vote that they just had because there's so many other things. The 
address, but I think let's go back to some of the foundational arguments for life from the Bible. And I want to go to your book, Rusty, um, abolish Biblical Strategies to Abolish Abortion. In chapter 11, um, it's fascinating to me, we've been going through uh, the seven churches in Revelation at our church here locally, and uh, in Revelation 3-7, you quote at the very beginning of the chapter, uh, the chapter is called Openings That Must Be Shut, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write these things, says, he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. That's Revelation 3, verse 7. And it, you talk about the divine authority ascribed to Jesus Christ, our Lord, the King of Kings. So he is ultimate authority. And then in the chapter under this section, Wiles of the Devil, you say this, and I would love for you to explain a little further. You say progressives, liberals, and Marxists use different schemes to implement their bloody tyrannies and perversions. They are masters at taking something that once was unspeakable and making it mainstream. And boy, is there a lot of truth to that. And then you say, how do they accomplish their massive propaganda programs to indoctrinate the masses? They do it by Orwellian doublespeak. In the case of abortion, it started with exceptions. Rusty Thomas, please elaborate on that. I'm sure that'll take us right to the Kansas vote topic. Well, we have to remember, brother, before the iniquitous decree of Roe versus Wade, there were certain states like Mississippi, Colorado, uh, that was opening the door for abortion. And the crack that eventually brought abortion on demand was what we call the exceptions. It started with Mississippi in 1966, brother. And really, <laughs> the, the purpose was uh, allowing abortion for rape, incest, and the life of the mother. And in the case of Mississippi, they, they were still obviously struggling, um, you know, with the scourge of racism and... Uh, everything that went on in Mississippi for many years, obviously. But the point there was if a black man raped a white woman, uh, they wanted that white woman to have the legal right uh, to murder the baby. Mm. And that was the crack, brother. That was the opening. That was, wow. that was, that's where the enemy, you know, exploited uh, our legal system. And, of course, it, it just fractured from there, and eventually we got Roe versus Wade and abortion on demand. So, you know, just biblically, strategically, brother, when, when, when you know the enemy has exploited openings to kill, steal, and destroy, and that is what has brought the murder of the preborn and the shedding of innocent blood in our nation that has defiled and polluted our land, that has given us moral anarchy, that has given us civil tyranny. Uh, obviously, as the Church of Jesus Christ, we have to address those openings, and we must shut them. You know, like the, the old song, shut the door, keep out the devil, right? <laughs> yes. And, you know, and uh, and so what in, in, in that chapter, I, I, I always uh, try to expose... Uh, the enemy's camp. And so, you know, it's like um, commercials, right? Sometimes they use guilt. Sometimes they use different things to motivate people to buy their product, you know. And so they're, they're masters, brother, in taking, when I talked about something unspeakable becoming mainstream, what they do, brother, is they give you the worst case scenario, hmm. like a 12-year-old girl you know, repeatedly abused by their stepfather. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yes. And 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 then, you know, and that's challenging the church. You know, how can you be so hard-hearted? You know, how could you be so, you know, blind to the reality? Look at this young girl suffering, you know, abuse, and you want her to carry that baby? You guys are monsters. And, and one of the things you need to know about the enemy, brother, the, the, the enemy's camp, they always try to get the high moral ground 
understand that. They try to get the high moral ground, so when the Church interposes to try to save the lives of these children, they make you out to be the evildoer. So what they do, they're committing evil, but they're projecting that evil upon those who are trying to do good Mm. and to rescue those unjustly sentenced to death. And so when they give these scenarios, brother, we, we, we look at it and we go, you know, you know, they got a point here. Uh, of course, what they're not, what they're leaving out is the fact with the abortion industry, brother, you take that same scenario, you know, the stepdad using and abusing his stepdaughter, uh, where do they go to get rid of the evidence of their abuse? Well, they go to the death camps. Yep. Now, by law, the death camps are supposed to, you know, report to the authorities, you know, that this is an underage girl. Yep. She's pregnant. And, you know, that points out there's, you know, statutory rape, minimal, you know. But, of course, the abortion industry doesn't do that because they don't want to risk, you know, the confidentiality of their clients. And so what happens, brother, is with abortion, the stepdad brings the stepdaughter to the abortion mill. They get rid of the evidence. They get rid of the child. And then they turn that child back over to the abuser. Yeah, unbelievable. And he keeps doing it, and he keeps doing it, and he keeps doing it. And so the church, brother, we really have not thought through these issues, especially when it comes, like, to rape and incest. You know, the Bible's very clear on this. You know, the, the, the father shall not pay for the sins of the son, and the sins of the son, you know, the father shall not pay. So in other words, when it comes to rape and incest, what we need to determine, uh, there's such a thing as guilt and innocent. So when it comes to rape and innocence, I mean, rape and incest, who's the guilty party? The father or the child in the womb? Mm. And again, brother, we're not thinking through this biblically. Yes. We're being manipulated. They're, they're manipulating our heartstrings. And, and when they did that, uh, it opened the door, brother, for incredible massacre, one-third of a generation wiped out, and it has brought God's judgment upon the land. Yes, and many of us are surprised that we haven't seen a greater extent of God's judgment. Uh, maybe, we, maybe we're getting it in other areas in this country that we're not um, concluding that that is God's judgment, but man, you are right. But I, um, I will say this to you, brother. Yeah, go ahead. God, no, God... God does have a remnant. Yes. Do you know what I'm saying, brother? Yeah, there are those that have laid down their lives. There are those who have stood in the gap and made up the hedge. Mm. There are those that have, you know, pleaded with God mm. uh, to be merciful to a nation that's demanding, you know, his judgment. And I, and I do believe, brother, that's one of the reasons why we can wake up and still function, because God... Quite honestly, brother, we deserve to become an ember, uh, honestly, for what we have done and what we have not done. You know, so praise God that he is long-suffering, brother. Oh, amen. Hallelujah. Amen. His loving kindness is everlasting, and man, have mercy, Lord. Um, Well, you know, Rusty, we only have a minute left here in this segment, but you know God's patience means salvation, so the longer he withholds, uh, ultimate justice that uh, this nation really deserves, judgment, I should say, that this, this nation deserves, the more opportunities people that don't know him can be saved. And, and that's our concern, life, eternal life, and then obviously life in the womb that we are fighting for, because that is biblical, a biblical battle that we're fighting. It is a moral issue, not a political issue. When we come back with Rusty Thomas, we're going to have him explain a recent quote where he said abortion has impacted the credibility of the church in America. And we're going to talk about that case. What can we learn from the Kansas battle, the confusion and deception that won the day where pro-abortion forces defeated the pro-life amendment? More on Stand Up for the Truth in just a minute. 
Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Our guest today, Rusty Thomas, he's back with us. The book, I encourage you to check it out. It's called Biblical Strategies to Abolish Abortion. And uh, Rusty, let's get back to the church um, and, uh, you know, what, whether we have, I know there's a lot of people that are dedicated to fighting for life in the womb, to protect life in the womb and to help mothers. We're going to talk about pregnancy resource centers a little later. Uh, but right now, I want to get back to this quote. You said this, and I'll let you explain. We have no idea how much abortion has impacted the credibility of the church in America. When we say abortion is murder, but don't act like babies are actually dying, our words ring hollow. Please explain that, Rusty. Well, that that began personally with me, brother. It was God's dealings with me. Hmm. He he confronted me. Um, I, I was always a preacher of righteousness, David. I never shied away from the burning issues of the day. I wasn't politically correct, neither was I religiously correct. And I was saying from the pulpit, abortion was murder. Mm. And so, you know, imagine my shock when the Spirit of the Lord comes and he says to me, you are saying with your mouth, abortion is murder, but you're not acting like these babies are dying. Mm. And and I got to tell you, brother, he rocked. My world, he convicted me to my core. Mm. And and I realized that to a certain degree, I was operating under a level of hypocrisy. And I had to repent. I I just had to, you know, fall on my face and cry out to God, forgive me. Mm. But there's also a story behind this, brother, and this (laughs) is what sealed the deal for me. Um, I had a, this was, uh, we were confronting the Planned Parenthood here in Waco, Texas, and I had a black pastor call me up. He's an elderly man, godly man. He said, Reverend Thomas, he said, are you guys out at Planned Parenthood? And I said, yes, sir. He goes, would you mind if I came out there and addressed the folks? <laughs> and I said, uh, we would love, <laughs> love to have pastors come out here and join us in this battle. And so he he shows up, David, and, uh, I mean, literally with tears in his eyes, he he conveys uh, this testimony to us. He had went over uh, to Africa on a missions trip. And he said, this didn't happen every time and everywhere I went, but it was a consistent theme. And... The, the locals there would tell him, you know, your nation murders its own babies. You lead your own sons and daughters to the slaughter. And you're here preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we have an idea for you. Why don't you go home and clean up your backyard and then come tell us about Jesus. Hmm. And brother, it rocked his world. And that's when he himself realized what abortion has done to the credibility of the church and her witness. Yes. Um, and, and I got to tell you, brother, it's something that we really do have to deal with because um, we know we're to follow in the footsteps of our Lord, brother. Amen. He's a rescuer. Amen. You know, the whole gospel of the kingdom is a rescue mission. And and we know that the Lord takes this personal, brother, what you've done to the least of these, what you have not done to the least of these, you've done it unto me. You know? And uh and then that was another revelation that just hit me so hard, wow. because it wasn't <laughs> They're not just tearing apart the baby in the womb. They're tearing him apart. Because mm. that's, he, he, brother, we know he completely identifies, you know, with those victims. 
he said, when you've done it to them, you've done it to me. Wow. This is this is even where where you know he tells Saul, you know, on the road to Damascus, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Well, Saul never laid hands on Jesus. He wasn't there at the crucifixion. But God says, when you touch my people, you're touching me. You're hurting me. Mm. You know, and, and, and we, brother, we, we, we've got to return to that kind of understanding as, as believers in Jesus Christ. Mm. Yes, biblical principles, including God as creator, the giver of rights, the, and the value of every single human life, um, uh, simply are not popular today, Rusty. Unfortunately, we've kind of been duped by the liberal narrative. And, and as you said, you talked about that in chapter 11 of your book. They're changing the language and redefining words and watering down the issue, making it a, quote, political one. But unfortunately, every one of us must decide whether we're going to follow Christ or culture. Our culture certainly is not a culture of life. It is a culture of death in America because abortion is seen as a convenience. And so what are your thoughts on how the church is split on this issue? Since we're talking about the church and losing credibility in the world, even the church is divided. The Catholic church more than the evangelical church. But even in the evangelical church, it has crept in this uh, making um, exceptions uh, for abortion. Well, you bring up a pretty important question here, brother, in the sense that you look down through redemptive history, brother, there's always lines that God draws. (laughs) And you who are on the Lord's side, come hither. You know what I mean? And I, I do believe, brother, in different generations, there are spiritual and moral issues that, you know, come upon the scene and they really do serve as God's x-ray into the heart and the soul of men. In other words, where you stand there determines where you are standing with the Lord. And uh, it's critically important that we understand that, brother. Um, you know, we, uh, we just seen through the ages, like, in other words, if, if you were alive, brother, if we were alive, you know, 150 years ago. You know, what was the burning issue of the day? Now, whether you believed in it or not, you know, uh, supported it or not, you know, what was the issue we had to deal with because God was dealing with us? That would be called slavery, Mm. right? Yep. Um, God had a contention with our nation we were kidnapping people we were using and abusing them uh we were unlawful uh in our approach to fellow human beings we were even uh denying our own national creed and covenant um and god warned our nation 75 years let them go let them go free well, we hardened our heart, we stiffened our neck, and it cost us 630,000 men to atone for that national abomination. Yeah. Now, brother, that was just denying right to liberty. In abortion, we have denied the right to life, the most first and most fundamental right of all. Yes. So, you know, what have we stored up there, you know, as a nation? And and, and and so and take it further back, brother, if it was, you know, 240 years ago. Now, again, same God, same devil, you know, same gospel, same truths, you know, same heaven, same hell, you know. But back 240 years ago, if you were an American, what did you have to deal with? Again, whether you liked it or not, yep. what did you have to deal with? We had to deal with tyranny. We had to deal with England. We had to deal with independence. We had to deal. We had to fight for for freedom, for liberty. Again, what, it doesn't make a difference what you believed or where you stood. The deal was that issue was dealing with us, and so we had to deal with it. The same 
is true in this generation, brother. And the two main things is child sacrifice, the shedding of innocent blood that has just opened hell's gates with the homosexual agenda, with the transgendered movement, to the point we're raising a generation, David, that doesn't even know the difference between a boy and a girl. Mm-hmm. Massive confusion. Yeah. Massive delusion, brother. Yes. God is dealing with us. Mm. He's turning us over to these things. And that's why the Church of Jesus Christ must repent. We have to, brother. That's the only hope for our future. And we got to realign ourselves with God's truth, and we have to proclaim it, speak the you know truth in love, but do it nonetheless, brother. Amen. It's so critically important for the future of our children and grandchildren. Yes, yes, and we are, I believe, reaping what we have sown as a nation. And in part, as a silent church, I'm not saying all believers throughout the decades have been silent on this issue. But as you said, and I think you alluded to this, the fact that adultery and, and, and sexual promiscuity, that, that, that was going, I mean, Margaret Sanger in the 1920s and 30s was promoting feminism and, and, you know, sex with no consequences, birth control, and that, yep. you know, she was an adulterer, adulteress herself. And, um, the, the, you know, who, um, uh, Alfred Kinsey, you know his his quote oh his God. quote what a monster his perverted sex research and now there's a Kinsey University wing at the uh, Indiana University and how that yep. inspired Hugh Hefner and so heterosexuals and uh, the 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 expression of sex took off way before the LGBTQ <laughs> took their cue and said all right we got something to run with now they this is a sexualized nation so I think you alluded to that. But uh, do you want to comment on that briefly? And that's that's part well, of our history. That you bring up such a critical, important point, David, because what really is that issue here? What is the ultimate problem? Is it the baby in the womb? Is that the issue? Is that the struggle? Is that what has to be exterminated so we can live our lives? Brother, the Bible is very clear. Mm-hmm. What is the real issue? David had to find out the hard way. Mm. what the real issue was. Brother, he committed adultery with Bathsheba, and he thought the solution was the murder of her husband. Brother, the the Scripture even talks about this sort of false sacrifice where I give the firstborn for the sin of my soul. Brother, it is a satanic counterfeit sacrifice and worship hmm. the problem, brother, that God pinpoints. It's not the baby in the womb. That's precious. Yes. That child is made in the image of God. God says children are a blessing, a reward, a gift from his hand. Amen. Even the church doesn't have a biblical worldview when it comes to children, brother. Yep. But the point being, he's saying the real issue is your fornications. You're the real issue is your adulteries. And this nation foolishly, instead of dealing with, uh, you know, having self-control, you know, living according to God's word and will and plan that sex is preserved in marriage with one man and one woman in a marriage covenant till death do we, do we part. Brother, instead of doing that, we removed that. We gave full vent to our lust, our appetites, our passions. And, of course, if you're going to fornicate, you're going to commit adultery, guess what? You know, <laughs> nature takes its course. Babies are conceived. And, and so how do we solve this problem? <laughs> we murder the baby. Yeah. So, and why? So we can continue in our fornications and sexual immorality, brother, and that's, that's, that is the real issue. And where is the church? You know, do we still preach on sin? Do we still preach on sexual immorality? Are we, are we calling out fornication and adultery? Because we understand this, brother, it not just leads to murder. The Bible says those who practice it shall not inherit the kingdom of God. 
Hmm. Now, in that context, praise be his name, and he says, and such were some of you. Yes. But you've been washed, you've been regenerated in Christ. And so, brother, the church has a real responsibility. And I think, brother, we're, we're like, we're seeing, I, I truly believe, brother, we're, we're seeing, like, humanism implode. I yes. think we're seeing the death rattle of secular humanism in our nation. It's, like, fully manifest in the Biden administration, the Marxism, the progressivism, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And this is such an incredible opportunity for pastors and pulpits and the church once again point the way, lead the way. Brother, our moral compass as a nation, we haven't pointed true north in a very, very long time. And I do believe, brother, we have that opportunity right now if we will take it. Amen. Amen, Rusty. We've got to be talking about these issues from the pulpit. And friend, listening right now, if you're listening and your pastor is a man of God that preaches the whole counsel of God and is passionate about this issue because God is passionate about life in the womb. Uh, I Just thank him. Make sure to encourage him if he is one that is. And if your pastor is not or hardly ever addresses this issue, such a divisive and immoral issue in our country where evil is being called good, lovingly approach him in respect and ask him to please address it. I think, uh, Rusty, you would agree with that, wouldn't you? <laughs> I, I would, brother, and, and the reason why I, I would, brother, um, Alexis de Tocqueville, you remember the French historian yeah. who who visited our nation? Because he was, he was pretty curious on why America achieved the heights in relatively a short time. He was just very curious. He, he was looking uh, for the secret of America's greatness, and I think he, he was here about nine months, brother. He did a thorough search. And he talks about it. You know, he went to the agricultural communities and went to the cities, the factories. He went to our halls of power, you know, seeking, like, what? why is this nation so blessed? Why is this nation so powerful? And this is what he said, brother. He said, it wasn't until I went into the churches mm, yes. of America and he said, I heard righteousness thunder. Listen to his word, brother. Righteousness thunder. Like most sermons today are therapy sessions, brother. We're, most pulpits are not declaring, thus saith the Lord, the inescapable truth of God to impress that upon men's souls. And he said, when I went into the churches, it was thundering righteousness. And he said, that's what I knew, the secret of America's greatness. Yes. America is great because America is good. Mm. But if America ceases to be good, she would cease to be great. Amen. Brother, that is a heritage. Yes. I mean, from, from the founding of America, the Revolutionary War, the Black Robe Regiment. All right, we got to take a break. When we come back, more with Rusty Thomas, and we'll get into that Kansas vote and talk about it in just a minute. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Rusty Thomas is our guest. The book... Biblical Strategies to Abolish Abortion. It is available on Amazon. And I want to talk about the Kansas vote now. Before we run out of time, let's uh, talk about this. Now, so pro-abortion voters in Kansas were able somehow in a red state to defeat a ballot measure which would have allowed state lawmakers to decide what restrictions should be put on abortions. It's somewhat confusing, but let's talk about this. Um it just—it seems like confusion and deception won the day. The amendment was called "Value Them Both," and um, it, it lost by a forty to sixty margin. In a, like I said, a solidly red state, and basically language was changed. And some they played the freedom card, right? They played it. They played it up as as if the, if it would have passed, it would have um, restricted people and. 
And uh, so they really used it, I think, to their advantage. I'm talking about the left. The pro-abortion side found a way to deceive voters in Kansas, and they were very good, unfortunately, at reframing the issue. Um, but also, Rusty Thomas, your your thoughts, because the amendment itself, from what I understand, was was really difficult to uh, understand and easy to distort. So what do you think about that? What happened in Kansas? Well, brother, in a sense, I think it could be a blessing in disguise, um, in the sense that I had a few people contact me and were a little heartbroken, uh, you know, how things played out in Kansas. And uh, I just referred them to some brothers and sisters that were working in Kansas um, to uh, come up with a bill of abolition um, that would completely and immediately end all abortions uh, in the state of Kansas. Uh, I think one of the reasons why the leftists um, found openings to exploit is because uh, the language uh, was exploitable. Mm, yeah. uh, we got to be very, very clear, brother, when we're introducing anything, when it comes to the life of these children, we have to reflect God's justice. And we can't give any wiggle room for the enemy to exploit, to keep killing them, and still keep the pro-life status, mm-hmm. which is what's been happening for 49, going on 50 years. So uh, my take, brother, is uh, I'm, I'm, people who contact me, I'm referring them to brothers and sisters who understand this battle biblically, understand it historically, and understand it constitutionally. So whatever we're bringing forth in the state reflects the will of God. And what do I mean by that? He said, thou shalt not murder. Amen. Uh, He doesn't view abortion as a social um, you know, political issue. It, right. it is a spiritual and moral issue. Amen. Uh, and he said, thou shalt not murder. And so he he views abortion as a crime. And, and this is where it runs contrary to the whole love them both narrative, because hmm. one of the problems with the pro-life movement is they've ext- extended victimhood, where uh, those who participate in the act of abortion are a victim along with the child. Mm. And unfortunately for them and for our nation, God does not see that that way. That's right. He views abortion as a crime. He calls it murder, and it must be penalized by law, because only then will God's justice be established, and then he himself can begin to cleanse the land of blood guilt, and, and bring healing back to the state of Kansas and any other state hmm. that upholds thou shall not murder. Yes. And, and so the, the, the challenge, I don't care what state it is, brother, here, here, here's what we have to do. Okay. All right. In each state, we got to get abortion back in the homicide code, treat it as a crime, and penalize it by law, and and that's what uh, our you know our ministry and all the networks that we are working with, brother. That's what we're going to be seeking to do from here on out. Well, it's interesting. I think some of our listeners, not all, but some of them, when you they heard you say that, were thinking, "Ooh, that sounds a little harsh and not very compassionate." Uh, treating abortion as a crime, but that just shows you how far we've gotten away from the holiness of God and His Word well, and how He values life. Brother, what we've done, and this is, this is honestly, it's a crime against the Lord. Hmm. It's a crime against the Scriptures. The pro-life movement, brother, has pitted the justice of God against the mercy of God. Ooh. And, and I'm telling you, brother, they're not mutually exclusive. You know, Micah 6, 8 gives us the order of God. He has showed you, O oh man, what is good. What does the Lord require? First thing, brother, first on God's priority list, do justice. Hmm. Then love mercy. And when, when the church does justice and love mercy, that actually proves we're walking humbly 
with our God. Mm. That's the that's the evidence yes. that we are humbly walking with the Lord. And so he, he, here's one of the problems why the pro-life movement has failed, brother, for close to 50 years. We're leading with something that is supposed to be following. That's in my book, the chapter, the, the Order of God, why this is so critically important. In other words, when you go to Psalms, brother, it talks about uh, Psalm 23, right? Yep. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Now, most Christians, brother, we were, that wasn't the way it is. We, we want goodness and mercy to lead us. That's how we want life. We want goodness and mercy to lead us. But God says that follows. Hmm. It follows. It's, it's sort of like signs and wonders, brother, in the sense that, remember when people were seeking a sign from the Lord? He said, a perverse and crooked generation seeks these things. Yep. But then, later on, where it talks about the apostles preaching the gospel of the kingdom, it said, signs and wonders followed them. So, brother, how we approach this battle, we better make sure we're leading yes. with what God wants to lead, and the fruit of it will follow. And so it's critically important, brother, that we get this right, <clears throat> yep. because God is a God of justice. And when justice is established, that's when he extends mercy. Brother, it's like somebody going to a court trial, right? He's all lawyered up, talking smack. You know, he's bold, he's proud, he's obnoxious, right? When is that criminal humbled? When the gavel comes down mm. and when the sentence yeah. is passed. Typically, that's when we break and throw ourselves at the mercy of the Lord. Amen. And so, brother, we, we it's very, very important, brother, that we understand, and, and, and understand this also, brother, the whole reason why we got Roe versus Wade is because the Texas statute did not reflect the justice of God. Mm. So when Blackman gives his opinion, he's having this conversation with coffee and Weddington. In 73. And he says that, what's that, bro? In 1973, right? Yes, yep. when they're arguing for Roe versus Wade. Mm -hmm. And he says to them, if, if, you know, Wade establishes the personhood of the child in the womb, you know you don't have any case, right? You, you, you know it will collapse, because that child would be protected under the fourth and Fifth Amendment. Yes. And both the feminist lawyers agreed yes. with that. Yep. So the pro-life movement says, that's it. That's the Achilles heel. we got to establish the personhood of the child, and then we'll win the day. Well, that door opened slightly, but then Blackman shut it down. And this is why he shut it down, brother. He looked at Wade. He looked at the Texas statute, mm. and this is what he said. Basically, you expect me, or in this court, to treat this child in the womb like a person like you and me, welcome into life, protected by law. Is, is, is that true? Yes, sir, that's true. But you know what? When I look at your Texas state statute, the person most culpable for abortion is the mother, and there is no penalty whatsoever. And then the abortionist, the guy who actually puts his hand to this evil, the lightest possible penalty. So basically, Texas, because abortion is not in the homicide code and penalized by law, we are going to issue this iniquitous decree of Roe versus Wade. Now remember, when we started this conversation, brother, we talked about openings that must be shut. Yes. That was the opening that gave us the Holocaust. Yeah. And it must be shut Amen. if God is going to heal this land. Amen. 
Amen. Uh, Rusty, we've just got three minutes left, and uh, Pastor Ray Pritchard, uh, of, he's with the American Family Association. He said about the Kansas uh, vote that um, a lot of churches were missing in action leading up to that election on the amendment that could have helped um, our, our cause. But anyway, let, let's move on really quick. We've just got a brief amount of time to get your comments on the pro-life uh, pregnancy resource centers and even churches that have been attacked violently in the last several months since the pro-aborts are stepping up their game. They've come out uh, over 90 attacks now uh, where they're either you know graffiti or damaging offices extensively in some locations. And um, I just want to get your take on that because the Biden administration, as Senator Josh Hawley uh, said has turned a blind eye while radical leftists attack pregnancy care centers and houses of worship. And uh, this is concerning because there's kind of like one side of justice, it seems, coming f- from our own government. So your thoughts briefly. Yeah, brother. Well, with the overturning of Roe and, and, and seeing uh, death camps, you know, shut down at a rapid pace, uh, obviously that's disconcerting to the enemy's camp the walls are coming in and the bible tells us brother when the enemy's time is short he becomes full of fury and so we're seeing that manifestation um and so you know it's uh we have to understand that the pro-abort forces they have moved from the defensive and now they're back on the offensive and of course uh they're not guided by a Christian ethic, brother, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, they're going to do the work of their father, the devil. Amen. Yeah. Who was a liar from the beginning, you know, was a liar and a murderer from the beginning. And so to protect their lie, brother, they become violent. Um, and we're seeing that manifestation. Now, the good news is, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Praise God. Which are his lies that lead to murder. Hmm. And so we, we have to understand. I think, brother, if, if I was to give a narrative kind of biblically to see kind of what's happening in these days, I would compare it to like the house of David and the house of Saul. Hmm. At some point, brother, the house of Saul diminished and the house of David increased. And I think we're just at the beginning stages, brother, of this massive paradigm shift that is taking place. So, like I said, they see the writing on the wall. They're freaking out. Yes. And they're doing what they did to the kids. Yep. Rusty, we got to go. Thank you so much. By the way, you can connect with him on Facebook. God bless you guys. Tomorrow, John Leffler, Steel on Steel Radio. Keep speaking the truth about things that matter.